I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Thank goodness Tiger Woods is alive. But I think he's actually self-sabotaging. Helmets Off is on. Hey folks, welcome to another episode of Helmets Off. Scott Mitchell, the host here. Uh, Got a fun show today. Free agency is, uh, is upon us. And man, the world in the NFL, the landscape is changing so much. You've got uh, these, like like cornerstone well-established playing very well quarterbacks and and high-profile players who aren't happy or who are moving and uh that's just something i don't know that's happened in the nfl we're going to talk a little bit about that today and of course tiger woods had his um gosh just horrific accident and thank goodness he's alive but i really think there's a whole lot more going on there um I don't know. It just kind of hit me the other day. And then, of course, uh, I'm going to give some insight in what it's like for an NFL player during the offseason, like right now. What do you do? So we got a fun show today and really looking forward to it. I want to thank you for tuning in and listening to what we do. We are powered by KSLsports.com, which is uh, sponsored by University Federal Credit Union. And we we thank them. And uh, we also are on Facebook at the Helmets Off Podcast and Twitter at the Helmets Off Show. Like us, love us, but never leave us. That's the deal. We're married for life. All right. Uh, first uh, topic today is is this idea of free agency and how it's, I think it's kind of changing. There was a time when well-established uh, veteran quarterbacks were always off limits. Like you got a guy, you developed a guy and you were married to him forever. And a lot of traditionally really good quarterbacks stayed with a team forever. You know, you look at Peyton Manning changing teams and he did because they felt like he, you know, his injury was probably something that would cause, uh, you know, his career to be shortened and, and the Colts let him go. But I, I think had that not been the case, He'd have stayed with the Colts his entire career. You get a guy like, um, you know, when you, you know, it just drew, uh, drew Brees changed teams, but, but he stayed with these teams for a long time. And you just see a lot of these guys who, who stick around and, and don't move unless it's really, really late in their career. And, and then it's like time for the team to move on from them. Whereas you're seeing young in their prime guys, and one of those guys is Russell Wilson. And there's a lot of the discussion about a lot of unhappiness with Russell and, the, and he wants to be involved in the decisions of 
who the players are there. He's, he's taken a lot of hits. He's been sacked a lot. And he's a really mobile guy. And he's a guy that can get out of a lot of stuff. But he's, you know, he's been, he's been banged up. And he's like, hey, I'm kind of tired of it, which I can understand. And so um, there have been rumblings. You don't know if it's true or not or whatever and who's putting out that information. But it's not out of the realm of the possibility of him moving or a guy like Deshaun Watson. And, of course, Matthew Stafford moved on. And I'm sure some other guys possibly might be moving on, depending on who, who these teams draft at quarterback this year. So thought it would be kind of interesting to say, all right, let's just look at Russell Wilson. And where would Russell Wilson fit with a team that uh, would be, you know, kind of magical or, or the, best, the best place for him uh, to end up. Uh, and I, I don't know that Seattle is the best place. I don't know. I don't know. They had that run, but they, it was really geared on a defense, a solid running game, which means a really good offensive line, a Marshawn Lynch type of running back. And, and now they've, they've evolved into more of a, it's Russell Wilson's deal. And he's, he's been able to handle it for a good part of, of things, but he's, you know, he's, uh, they haven't been back to a Super Bowl in a while, and I'm not sure they're going to go back to one anytime uh, soon. So where would where would the best place for a guy like Russell Wilson? I'll tell you, the absolute I think top spot. I think going to the the um, New Orleans Saints would be phenomenal. Would be phenomenal for Russell Wilson. Uh, I don't know that there's a better coach in the NFL if you're a quarterback than Sean Payton really gets it really understands quarterbacks. And I'm not, I'm not convinced that Taysom Hill is the long-term solution with the saints. Uh, there, there are holes in his game and, and he's a guy that uh, is a fun player. I'd love to have him on my team. Uh, you know, just, he just a, certainly a team guy, a lot of things he can do. He's extremely valuable to a team, but I'm not sure that being the starting quarterback every down every day, is the best thing for Taysom Hill simply because he's he's a guy that's gonna you know he's gonna run in there and uh, and and run into people and that's great but not when you're the starting quarterback when you're that Swiss knife or Swiss Army knife whatever he is you do all those things fine but uh, and Jameis Winston who threw for over five thousand yards for Tampa Bay uh, they proved they're a pretty darn good team and won a Super Bowl right after he left so. You know, there's maybe some question marks about him. Sean Payton really likes him. I think they'd like to keep him there. But if you had an opportunity to get a guy like uh, a Russell Wilson, I think you take it. I think the Saints are extremely close to winning. In fact, I think Drew Brees has probably been two years too long with the Saints, and they've proven that they can win without him. They, you know, it, Teddy Bridgewater went in and did fine, and so so did Taysom Hill. They didn't necessarily miss a beat, and when he got into those tough pressure situations in the playoffs, his accuracy, his arm strength, it left. It, it went away. And he was making throws like that. Ah, it's not Drew Brees throwing that football. So I think he's just I think I think his time is over. And and Russell Wilson would be would be phenomenal uh in a place like that. Um uh, another place would be the Miami Dolphins. Miami Dolphins are really close. I mean they they are such a close team. And and I am not I'm not sold on Tua Tagovailoa. I, I, I just, I'm not, I, I don't like the arm motion. I don't like the arm strength. I don't, I just, I think folks have been sold a bill of goods on, on that one. And uh, you know, and they, and they've invested a lot in him, but 
that's another team that was really close. I mean, they were not far at all from getting to the Super Bowl uh, or, or to, to the playoffs, and, and they're, they're a team on the rise. And that's kind of what you're looking for. I, 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 funny thing is, I'll, well, I know they, they drafted Jordan Love a couple of years ago, but I was going to say the Green Bay Packers. And I, I was going to say that because I, I just think Aaron Rodgers, as good as he is, has this aura about him that's so negative. And, and he's just got this chip on his shoulder. I, I just think his personality is that way. And I don't care what you say, your attitude is going to impact your performance. It just does. And, and so here's a guy that went to a Super Bowl and won it early, but has never done it again. His, his record in championship games is, is not good. They've been at home, most of them. And, and he just should have gone to a couple of more Super Bowls easily with – Easily, he should have gone to a couple more Super Bowls. And for whatever reason, he always seems mad at the organization. He always seems mad at everybody. And, and I really think it might be time to just say, hey, you know what? You're right, Aaron. If you had an ability to replace him with a guy like Russell Wilson, and Russell Wilson played at Wisconsin, and he's got, he understands that Midwest you know, mindset, and they would eat him up in Green Bay. Oh, my goodness. He would be so amazing with with the with the Packers because they're they're a close thing I would I would have said the Indianapolis Colts and I actually think uh Carson Wentz going there is is a good option and and I know I know Urban Meyer at Jacksonville I'm just I really believe he's going to turn that around and I think you know a lot of these new coaches what they do to kind of buy themselves some time is they go well we got to rebuild so you can't have any expectation on us for probably three to four years. And so it's like, it's, it's like giving yourself insurance for three to four years. You, you look at the Detroit Lions and uh, they, they, I'm just telling you, they, they said, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll, uh, we'll move Matthew Stafford and we'll rebuild. And basically they're saying, we just gave ourselves four years of income. And, and I, I know it happens. I know coaches have that mindset. I'm not going to say all of them do. I don't think Urban Meyer does. I, I think Urban Meyer goes, shoot, I'll just be here four years and, and probably be gone to somewhere else. But I'll win before then. And so a lot of these coaches will take the young, you know, because they're going to take a quarterback in the, with the first pick, and they're probably going to take Trevor Lawrence. And, and he's probably going to struggle his first year. But then his second year, he'd probably play a whole lot better. He's a talent, probably can withstand that. But I would say, you know, you could, you could kind of diminish the curb there, Urban, and get another really good player in the draft, and you could get a player like Russell Wilson, and, and off you go. And, that, and, and, you know, it might not be a bad move for a team like, a team like the, um, the Jacksonville Jaguars. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers are going to need a quarterback in a couple of years. I'm not saying that that's the place for Russell Wilson right now and probably couldn't be because of Tom Brady, but uh, the, the Buccaneers are going to fall off a cliff here in a couple of years when Tom Brady retires and they're still a pretty young team and still a really good team. And to be able to plug a quarterback in that can play at a high level would be, would be another place, another great place to go uh, for, for a guy like Russell Wilson. So, you know, these are kind of some of the teams and I like them because they can win now. And, and he's a guy you want to bring in because you think you can win now. 
uh, and they're, you know, and they're just, they're, they're close, but he's a guy that, you know, he can play for quite a few more years at a high level. And, uh, you know, he's, there's definitely a lot left in the gas tank with him. And, and I think, I think Russell Wilson's one of the top players in the NFL and Deshaun Watson, it's the same thing. I mean, if Deshaun Watson goes, it's any one of these teams could be a potential. I mean, the Denver Broncos, not, not only the Denver Broncos, the Las Vegas Raiders. I mean, I mean, Russell Wilson is a massive upgrade from Derek Carr and Derek, Derek Carr's window of opportunity is just closing quickly. And he's had a lot of time there. He's had a lot of time with John Gruden. And there needs to be a significant jump in, in his performance in order for, uh, you know, him to justify being, being there. But, man, the Raiders would be a fun spot for Russell Wilson. I may change my mind. I just think it'd be fun to have Russell Wilson and John Gruden uh, together. All right, we're going to take a break. We come back. Tiger Woods. Man, I, I have a theory, and it is, it is it's on the fringes, but when you hear it, you're going to go, no, nah, maybe you're right there, Scott, because you know what? Most of the time I am. I'm just saying. All right. You're listening to Helmets Off. We'll be back in just a bit. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Hello, folks. Welcome on in, and thank you for joining us. I always appreciate it. Uh, Tiger Woods was in a horrific accident a few a few days ago, and luckily, and there were a lot of strange reports coming out, you know, jaws of life and whatever, and it was a horrific crash, and a lot of people said, you know, people die in crashes like that. Fortunately, airbags deployed. Tiger had a seatbelt on. Unfortunately, and I guarantee you, Tiger Woods was texting. No brakes, straight off the road, crossing lanes of traffic, down an embankment. He didn't even, I, I guarantee he's looking at his phone. The next thing he knew, he was doing somersaults in a vehicle. Guaranteed. And he was because he was late. He's in a hurry. He was probably trying to get a hold of people to tell them that he would be there uh, when, you know, when he could. And he apologized for being late because uh, he was supposed to be somewhere. In fact, he's supposed to be with Drew Brees for some TV event to teach, you know, I guess, professional athletes in another sport, you know, give them golf, golf lessons. But, um, you know, it just brings up to me because, because everyone's initial response was, oh boy, Tiger's off the wagon again. You know, the issues that plagued him before have come back, you know, is it painkillers? Is it, is it some kind of substance? Is he drunk? Is he, is he on drug, whatever. And, uh, you know, what, what's happened 
because uh, he has the flair for dramatic when he gets in these accidents. And of course, this, the situation with his ex-wife, which was, was, was terrible. And it's terrible because, um, you know, airing out your personal life on, in a public stage, no one wants that. And, and everyone has their tr struggles and challenges in life. So it is what it is. Um, but it certainly raised the question, what's happened to Tiger again? And everyone, you know, the, the reports now are, you know, there was no impairment. There was nothing wrong just an accident and it's like yep he was texting I, I guarantee that's what happened that's my opinion i'm not stating what's been confirmed but it's there's no other explanation so i have this theory i have this theory about tiger woods and and, and tiger woods is a fascinating person to watch and to see like i watched tiger woods in his prime like I was at golf events right there watching it and it was awe-inspiring. I mean, he was so, it, it, you just felt like you were, you know, it was Babe Ruth or it was just, it was the best probably whoever had played at their sport. You were witnessing it. He was incredible, incredible. And the, and the crowds that watched, I, I wanted to watch golf because Tiger Woods played. And there are a lot of people felt the same way. And he was demolishing people. He'd show up at a golf tournament before he'd ever taken a swing. And he had a four shot lead because he was so intimidated. He, he just, he just dominated people. And, and, and so you're, you're watching this and you go, he will eclipse Jack Nicholas. He will be the greatest golfer of all time. He was just amassing, you know, one, one major after another. And then all of a sudden, his world just crumbled. And, and you're like, look, people get divorced. Okay? I've been divorced. And it, it's, a, it's a hard thing. There's, I'm not, I, I will not diminish it at all. It's a terrible thing to go through. And, uh, and, but you, you move on in your life. And for someone like Tiger Woods, it was almost like he didn't move on from it. And he was so awkward in his um, his speech afterwards and it was so canned and it was so unnatural and it was so not tiger woods and it was so not believable because tiger woods was tiger woods was made up tiger woods what we saw was was uh it was a it was a crafted it was a polished it was a persona and underneath it was just this kid and when when the when the curtain was taken away, like in the Wizard of Oz, the wizard wasn't so wizardly. He was just a guy. And that's what was hard, I think, for everyone to realize Tiger Woods is just a guy. And he's a guy who was just pushed by his father. And, and he liked being pushed. I don't think it was like, but I think underneath it all, the conviction of what Tiger was to become was more Earl Woods than it was Tiger. I don't think Tiger, I don't think Tiger really wanted to do it. I mean, I think he, he, he wanted to do it, but I, I think it was, and I don't want to say he resented his dad because I don't think he did, but I just think it was, it was his dad's dream. I think it was, you know, this is all, this is all a facade. This is all made up. This is all, it's not who I am. It's not what I am. And I think along the way, subconsciously and there may be even consciously tiger said no 
I, I, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna derail this. I'm gonna sabotage myself. And whether he got into this behavior of womanizing, this whole thing of how he changed his like his practice routine or his, you know, his preparation where he was doing these insane um, Navy SEAL workout routines that ultimately were the biggest factor in messing up his back, changing his golf swing, which, you know, you scratch your head, you go, why are you changing something that's just so dominant? And, and I, I really think underneath it all was this, um, this way of saying, you know, I, I'm in control of who I am. My dad's not going to control it. And, and I'll show you because everything he's done has not been subtle. It's been dramatic, dramatic car crashes, dramatic drop offs in play, dramatic back injuries, all of these things. And I think underneath it all, I don't know that Tiger Woods really cared. I don't think the records, I don't think, I think all of it was just the persona that had been made up and that Tiger Woods was just going to be this, just, because you look now and, and, and there was just a, a massive amount of outpouring and interest in Tiger Woods in an accident. And it wasn't the, it wasn't the sports world. It was the world. And so here's a guy who, captures the fascination of so many people and i mean it's just it's just riveting how people are, are drawn to who to who he is but there's debate now you know because he did not he did not surpass jack nicholas and he and he won't not going to surpass his major record and he was close a long time ago i mean a long time ago and with the with the injuries and with the the personal life that really, I think, just just shook his foundation. And, and I think he was just wandering around lost. And I think a lot of why he was lost because his dad had died. And the person who was kind of steering the ship and the one who kind of was his North Star was no longer there. And now it was like Tiger, who was like, you know, I don't, I don't know I really want to do this. And so I think this, this recent accident, and I know it's just an accident. I get it. I know. But I would not be surprised that underneath it all, and it may be a subconscious thing, it may be a conscious thing, I don't know. But man, there's just too many coincidences with Tiger Woods derailing himself. Almost like he, he relishes in it to see, what can I come back with? What, what kind of dramatic thing could I come back from now? The whole back injury situation, the whole the whole marriage thing, and and just everything, and and maybe maybe his thrill is not in you know not in being the best ever, but in being you know how bad a situation can I get myself in and get it out, or I'm just like this is my dad's thing and it really wasn't mine, and so I'm going to find a way to derail the whole thing. I know it sounds crazy, but I'm telling you, I think I think there's a lot of truth in it. Because there's just no way, there's no way that Tiger Woods should not have already surpassed Jack Nicholas and, and should e easily be discussed as the greatest player of all time. All right, I'm going to take another break. We come back. I'm going to tell you what goes on in an offseason, which is right now for an NFL play. Welcome back, sports fans. Again, last segment of the show here. Thank you again, 
I seriously mean that. I really appreciate you tuning in. And I've been doing this for some time now. I enjoy it. I hope you do. And uh, giving my insights and uh, and finding what makes people tick in sports and, and kind of my, my take on a lot of things that happen in the sport, sports world. All right. So last segment. What do people do? I shouldn't say people. What, what do NFL players do in their offseason? Well, if you're an NFL player who wants to stick around, if you want to stick around in the NFL, then you better spend your offseason working out. And that's the top priority above anything you do, anything, anything you do. If you have you know, any shot of making it, of sticking, of staying, you better physically be at the top of your game. You look at a guy like Tom Brady and he says the TB12 method. I guarantee you every really good player in the NFL has their own method. I did. Uh, I knew what I had to do to get myself ready to play every year. And without exception, it was the number one thing I did. And let me tell you, I was, I was on an island in the, in the northeast section of Saskatchewan fishing. And I would work out every day that I was there, including throwing a football. And I knew how important it was for my arm to be ready and, and, uh, and, and to be in shape. Uh, for an NFL season. And I have buddies who probably still have bruises who caught footballs for me in those situations. And I found a way and, I, and, and there, there was never an excuse. And I did it in parking lot, you know, so it's like, yeah, you can go have your fun. And I did, and I'll get into what fun I had. But the bottom line is everyone figures out and knows that they, you, you can't just show up the training camp and go, yeah, I'm going to get in shape right now. And that's, what, that's, why, that's why training camps were so long was not, not because the, they needed all the time. It was because the players had jobs in the offseason. Uh, people like Roger Staubach started a real estate company. I mean, most guys had other jobs that they did in the offseason because they didn't get paid that much. So they're out working. And then they would come to training camp the 1st of July and training camp would be forever. And they, and they just, they'd work themselves into shape through training camp. And then, and then it became serious business, serious money, and things started to change and off seasons changed. And it was like, you're working out, you're preparing yourself year round. And there's always some new invention, whether it's a diet, whether it's some chiropractic thing some voodoo some whatever these players will find it and they'll find any kind of way they possibly can to get ready to play there there's this stuff called dmso and they put it on on horses and it's a way to kind of help muscles recover and it's just the most disgusting smelling thing in the world and it wasn't a banned substance and i think it is now but a lot of players were walking around in an off season and they just smelled atrocious. And so there were things like that. And, and p- players were just not, you know, nothing was off limits. They're always looking for an edge, always looking for a way to get stronger, bigger, faster, better. 
So that's always the top priority. And I know that doesn't sound very sexy, but you know, it's the truth. Now, the other thing, and, and this was, this was something that I did and I, I th and I thought this was important and I still think it's important. You know, being, being football 24, seven, 365 is really not healthy. It's not healthy at all. You need balance in your life. And of course you also have a sports psychologist that you work with because, and no one talks about that stuff, you know, like they don't want to say, yeah, I go see a shrink, but I'm just telling you, you, there, the pressure and the mental, um, maturity and the mental fortitude and uh, was as big an, an important thing you had to deal with as anything so no one wanted to admit it but everyone did it and one of the things they would talk about is you're going to be more effective when you play football if you have some balance in your life sure you know work out but you you, you don't have to live football 24 7 365 so i had other hobbies and they were great hobbies. And uh, a lot of a lot of players they they play golf and and I did that. And actually, I I got really serious about golf after I retired. But I I learned how to fly an airplane. And I tell you this because not because well one it was like it seemed so um, unattainable. Like really like who does that? Like a lot. I mean people do it. Don't get me wrong. There's a lot of people that have their private private pilot's license and what have you. And I, I, I did it one because when I was a young boy, uh, I went in an airplane in Boy Scouts, got the aviation merit badge. And I remember flying at the old Spanish Fork Springville airport in a 152 Cessna, Cessna 152, small little plane. And uh, I just thought it was the most amazing thing I'd ever experienced in my life when I, when I left the ground. And, I, and all of a sudden I'm up in the air and I'm looking at the town that I, I lived in. I, I went and saw my house from really high in the air. And it was, it was amazing, it was awesome, it was incredible. And I just said, this is, this is so, I wanna be able to do this. And when I found out it wasn't that impossible to do, I had the time, I had the resources and I just said, I'm gonna do this. And I, I, I love, and it's really one of the, great accomplishments for me in my life to do it. And I loved it and I was, uh, I enjoyed it. Um, so, so having kind of those hobbies and, and, and kind of finding some of the things you, you do, but another thing I wished I would have done more of is I really wished I would have traveled. I know a lot of guys will, they'll, they'll go on some big trip every year you know, I know a lot of guys would go to Africa on, on a safari and, and places like that. And, and I wished I would have done more of that. I really do. I traveled some, uh, but uh, not, not like I really wished I, I had. Simply because I had the time, I had the resources. And, uh, you know, when you're young like that, you can really vigorously go and, and kind of see and do and what have you. And so I, I still love to do that stuff now. Um, but not not anywhere like I could have or should have when I was playing. Um, the worst thing that happens in your off season, though, just so you know, <laughs> is going to a mini camp. The worst thing in the world, and and your coaches, they love it, right? Because they're they're there at the facility and and they're watching film and they're they're assessing and studying and they want to see where are you. 
and you're like, I don't want to see you until next fall. And, and so you, and, and it's awful because you go for three days and it's, uh, it's uh, two practices on Friday, two practices on Saturday and two practices on a Sunday. And they do it toward the end of the week and they, and they just do a mini like football camp and they have these OTAs now, which is a different deal. And a lot of the players are at the facilities more today than, than back, even back in my day. But man, I hated, hated, hated those mini camps. Nothing like I never felt in my entire career, like, boy, this made me better. I really didn't. I, I know, I know that may sound bad, but it was like, it was, uh, it was just, it was guys weren't really in top shape. Everything was in shorts. Uh, it was really quick. It was really hurried. And then it was over. And, uh, and it was just, you know, it just was like, it was a big disruption, but I know they did it. So guys couldn't get too far away from things. And it was also a monitor more to see where they were physically. Cause some guys don't work out. And, and you just, if you don't work out, you don't play and you're going to get injured. So it's a bad thing. All right. Well, that's all we have for today. Uh, again, thank you for tuning in. Helmets off is now off. Again, you can find us uh, at uh, uh, wherever you find your apps, download it for free. Uh, and until then, we will see you then. Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story, the struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.